Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-hosts, Mickey Turner, Susie Rantz, Tim Foss, Beth Mantle, and Dave Clark. This has been an extremely weird podcast. How are they going to be able to handle that? Just the bottom line is they don't have an answer to that. There was never really a time when I was super concerned. Seattle did fine. There's a reason they got signed to first team contract. Very special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of the Seattle Sounder. You know who he is. Brian how are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joining me today is one of my good friends, at least as far as soccer goes, Chris Reifer. <laughs> Uh, who, I don't know if he's really officially a media member anymore, but he definitely knows what's going on with the Timbers these days. Welcome to the show, Chris. I am definitely not officially in any meaningful sense of that word, uh, a media member anymore, but uh, I do I, I, I do still, I am still an obsessive. Uh, good to see you, J.O. How, how are you doing, man? Yeah, I'm doing good, you know, um, making making it work. And, and uh, we have another... Sounders Timbers game. This one actually counts for the Cascadia Cup. This is the, right. the first Cascadia Cup match since maybe the the infamous Iron Front game. Certainly the first Cascadia That's Cup right. match in Portland since then. The the game that uh that the Timbers Army uh uh you know shanked the Timbers by not chanting for the first 33 minutes. Right. Or at least, yeah. that, or at least that was somebody's story. I, I, right. I don't yeah, know that if was, it really that, checks was... Out. that was somebody's story. Yeah, exactly. Uh but yeah, it's been a it's been a long time since the since the Cascadia Cup has has been a thing. Do you does that make a difference at all? Do you think? I think it definitely makes a difference to some supporters. You know, you've definitely heard some conversation about that sort of over the course of the week. Um, it it does not feel you know back to the full throated no I guess pre that game in 2019 uh, kind of form just yet. Uh, hopefully that that, that that's going to be in the future. So it's not at that level. But I do think it makes a difference. Uh, it, you know, it is something that is still valued among uh, among the Timbers Army, just as I'm sure it is uh, uh, among ECS. And so um, it, it matters uh, uh, on that end, to be sure. Nice. All right. Well, that's that 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 sets it up well. Um, what are the what is the, what is the vibe at like at at Providence Park these days? Um, it's it's interesting. I, I I think honestly, the Timbers are in a little bit of a rough spot right now. Uh, the results on the field, I think, are uh, a little bit ambivalent. Would be the nicest word that I can that I can use for them. Uh, the, the Timbers' road form has been an absolute disaster. Uh, they've played eight road games. They've lost four of them by three or more goals. Um, that's not good. Uh, they have one win on the road, one draw, and six losses. Uh, so the, the the road form has been very very poor. The four at Providence Park, or at least I should say, the results at, at Providence Park have been a little bit better. Um, but, there, you know, I mean, I, I think if you watch the team closely, you see that there's some underlying softness there. You know, they've uh, they, they've played you know, four home games in, in about the last month or so. Uh, one against LAFC, Dallas, uh, San Jose um, and RSL. They've won three of them. Uh, they've taken 10 points from from, from those games. Uh, but I think anybody, any honest assessment would have to say that the Timbers have been a little bit lucky. I, I think they were pretty clearly outplayed by LAFC. I think you'd have to say the same uh, about RSL last weekend, even though RSL is not exactly a world beating squad. Um, 
you know, the Timbers played okay against San Jose, but didn't get the the three points out of that. The only game, and and you know, the the first half in particular against Dallas was was bad, and that's a bad Dallas team on the road, uh, where where they they had at to that point in the season not done anything but lost. Um, they had zero points on the road at the, at that point, and the Timbers had to to score one late in order to to take the three points there. So, you know, it. it the results have been okay from home. They've been able to get it out. And I, and for that reason, I don't think this is one that, that the Sounders can go into, uh, you know, feeling like it's a kickover by any means, or you're even feeling like it's not going to be a tough game. Uh, right. I think it will be a tough game for the Sounders. Um, but, uh, but, but I, I, I also don't think this is a game where the Sounders are going in uh, hoping, praying that they can get a point. Um, it, 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 it's, it's one that the Sounders can win. Uh, there, there's some underlying softness in the Timbers for me that What do you chalk that up to? Is that is that form? Is it? I know you've you've been missing some players. What what would you say is the underlying cause for that softness? Kind of all of the above. There's certainly been some squad rotation that's been necessitated both by the schedule, uh, international absences, injuries, and the like. Um, and, and and you know, I mean, that's that's been a big factor. It's undeniable. Uh, it's, it's, it's something that the Timbers talk about a lot, uh, and not for no reason. It's, it's something that's hurt him. Certainly that's, that's not a foreign concept to the Sounders who have had certain similar, uh, kinds of things, especially over the course of the last six weeks or two months. Um, so I don't think there's going to be any sympathy there. Uh, but I also think, think, think form has certainly been a part of it. Um, the Timbers have been, uh, especially at home, a pretty good attacking team. They've scored goals uh fairly regularly but but when they do they're 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 still a team that can i i think the biggest thing that i've that that i've seen is that they just lapse into being in a really soft low block um in 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 which especially when they get their noses in front in a game uh they kind of fall victim to that game state and they they defend deep but they don't defend very vigorously uh, and so opponents have repeatedly found, and, and this was very, very much the case against RSL in the second half last week, where op- opposing playmakers have found you know, just acres of space uh, in the attacking half uh, to be able to, to, to get the ball at their feet, pick up their head and pick out a pass. Um, when you look at RSL's uh, goal to, to pull one back uh, to go to 3-2 last week, that's exactly what happened. Um, I, can't, I can't even remember who assisted the goal at the moment the difference from when I was officially uh, in media. Um, but, you know, I mean, it, it, it was it was kind of a, a, a long ball sort of over the top into the box, uh, but from an area that, that the Timbers should have been defending, the guy just had all day um, to, to, to pick up his head, to allow uh, his, his teammates to marshal their runs uh, and, and to float a ball in. Uh, you just can't do that. And you, you can't do that against, uh, against RSL, and you really can't do that against a Sounders team uh, that looks like it's going to have the services of Nico Ladero, um, who will absolutely murder teams uh, that allow him to do things like that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much Ladero plays. You know, he he's played twenty five, or he's played about thirty ish minutes since he came back. Yeah, and... had a trophy on the line on Tuesday, so you know he had to he had he had to uh, get out in that one. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, but it seems like the the Timbers offensively have been pretty decent you know they're the reason i would say the reason they're in a playoff position is because they've been able to score a fair amount number of goals uh what are they doing well offensively uh they're being opportunistic they're not a volume chance creating team that wasn't the case last year even when they scored a bunch of goals they're not a team that that in most games is going to put up 20 shots um this isn't some of you know caleb porter's 2014 team where they would 
uh, where where they were just sort of constantly um, uh, on, on the attack and and looking to to create chances. Um, that's just not their personality. But they've been opportunistic, and it's because you know it's a, it's a similar kind of thing with last year. They've got good finishers. Felipe Mora can score a goal on it. The um, uh, Chara can, can can certainly break down a break it down and score a goal. Tyrone Spria. Uh, even though uh, he's a guy who I think has been uh, the recipient of a lot of scorn and, and frankly, deservedly so from Timbers fans over the years, is maybe the latest bloomer that I can remember for a field player. Uh, at 29, he's he's come into his own and, and, and has been huge to coming off a game in which he had both a goal and an assist. Uh, he, uh, he, I, I, I think, is, is has only recently been surpassed by Felipe Mora um, in the Timbers sort of golden boot race. Um, and so they're a team that has a number of guys who can finish off uh, opportunities for them. Um, I still think they're better uh, when they're able to counter than, than, when, they're, uh, than when they're breaking down uh, opponents with possession. And as a result, you don't see the Timbers uh, possess a whole lot. It wouldn't surprise me if the Sounders come in, even with the Sounders' personality. If the Sounders come into to Providence Park and have, a, have at least an equal share of the ball. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, I, I think the Timbers are opportunistic. Um, they want, they want to invert their fullbacks, uh, even if they don't do a great job of rebalancing their shape, uh, when they do, uh, and they want to try to spring combinations, uh, using those overloads. Um, and, uh, and, and if they can do that, they've got some guys that can punish it. Uh, Sebastian Blanco looks like he is pretty well on his way back. I know there's been some fits and starts in terms of that journey, and it's probably taken a little bit longer than anyone expected for him to be getting here. Yeah, but not a it little does... bit longer, a lot longer. Yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, the, but... the initial talk was that he was going to be back up and running in March, uh, and I think only now in the last few weeks would, would anybody say that he's very genuinely sort of back into the team. And so is the expectation at this point that he's he's ready to start again? I think so, and that's my expectation for the weekend. Uh, you know, the, the normal progression is generally after a player has, has had uh, a good 30-minute run out, then the next step is ordinarily – uh, for somebody like Blanco, going to be a start and somewhere close to 60 minutes of game action. Um, he's had at least one of those 30-minute runouts, maybe two runouts, runs out. Um, I'm not sure if we, if you Brent Musburger that one or not. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but at any event, he's had a couple of uh, one or two of those at least. And so I expect that he'll uh, he'll start over the weekend, um, barring some other setback that we don't yet know about. Uh, that that he'll start over the weekend, and probably put in somewhere close to an hour. And what is the general health of the team? Are they are they trending back to health along with Blanco? They're trending back to health. There are some questions, including Eric Williamson, who missed uh, who missed last weekend's game uh, under the the very the euphemistic uh, health and safety protocols. Uh-huh. Um, and and then Yarak Nishgoda is the other really major absence right now. Um, he's another guy who suffered a, an ACL injury late last season. Um, the last word we we got is that his return was expected in late June. Um, it's not late June anymore, and he's still not back. Uh, we don't really have much more information beyond that. Uh, and so, you know, short of knees go to showing up on a, on a game day sheet, I imagine there will be, you know, something that a, a day or two ahead of time that suggests he, he comes back. Short of that happening, um, I don't expect him him back. So, you know, uh, Timbers fans on, on a wing and a prayer may be able to get 10 minutes from him or so uh, if he's at that point. But that's anybody's guess at this point. So moving outside of the, the field, uh, I was reading something. Uh, well, I saw something that I, I retweeted and actually got a lot of traction on uh, about 
this general oh, look frustration. Look at you, yeah. big, 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 well, online soccer influencer. Look at you. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, but the <laughs> more, it was more. I think it it, it struck a nerve uh, that people. You know, it was a Timbers fan who was like basically wrote an open letter to uh, the the front office saying like, please reinstitute vaccine mandates or uh, or masking or some sort of mitigation to you know to like because I don't feel comfortable going to games and I think a lot of Sounders fans feel the same way. Uh, but I think it and it, he was kind of speaking to this underlying sense that there is like attendance is down, uh, interest is down. I thought he maybe conflated two separate issues, which was. COVID and maybe an underlying frustration with the team. But point being, uh, it seemed to illustrate some frustration uh, with the among the fan base. It's definitely there. Um, there there's, there's no question about it. The extent to which it's affecting the softness in their, um, their, their attendance numbers, I think is, is something that can be debated. I think the Timbers would probably tell you, no, we think it's COVID related. Um, I think there are a lot of people who would tell you otherwise that, that they think it, you know, COVID is certainly a factor. Nobody can deny that. Um, that is, that is obvious. It's a given. Um, but I, I also think that, that there are a lot of folks who would tell you that they think there's some, some more sort of substantive uh, softness in, 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 in sort of the, the fervor of the support that's been driven by the relationship between the club and its supporters over the course of the last couple of years. Um, I, I have a hard time sort of quantifying, you know, uh, exactly how much that is and sort of where on the sliding scale uh, things are, are, are sort of causing some of the empty seats and, and, and things like that that we've seen at Providence Park uh, over the course of the last several months. So, you know, I, I don't really have a hot take in that regard. But look, I mean, I, I think if you go back a couple of years, it's it's not hard to see that the, that the Timbers relationship with their supporters is has really had some bumps. There was the, the Iron Front situation and, and MLS's uh, ban on political speech that I that ruffled a lot of feathers. Um, the Timbers in, in late 2019 really had a rough go of things, uh, both on the field, but there was also the situation with Brian Fernandez. Um, the Timbers sort of opened their, their big expansion of Providence Park and then frankly felt pretty flat um, and had a very, very disappointing uh, end uh, to that 2019 season. Then 2020, obviously there were there was COVID, and the Timbers had some on-field success, especially early in 2020. Um, but but you know, I mean, that was the fans were obviously somewhat divorced from that. Um, right. And and now you know with, with on-field stuff, I think you have uh, you have um, you know sort of mixed results, uh, especially at home. Um, I think there's some so, some mixed results, but you know, there are definitely folks who, uh, who feel that the Timbers have not been sufficiently responsive and have not been sufficiently protective uh, when it comes to COVID protocols. Um, and I think there's sort of just a general sense that, that there's a bit of a disconnect um, between many supporters, I think both within the Timbers Army and outside of the Timbers Army um, and, and the club itself right now. So yeah, I, I think that's very real. I, I think it, it, it would be difficult to deny that, that that exists at this point. And I think it's something that the Timbers should, should frankly be pretty proactive about, uh, about trying to fix. Uh, I, I'm sure we'll talk more about it, but trading away Jeremy Abobis, who really was you know, one of the, the only guys on the team that, that I think had a really deep connection to, to a lot of Timbers fans and a lot of Timbers supporters. Um, over the course of the last couple of years, you know, after Diego Valeri's kind of taken a little bit of a step back when it comes to media and that kind of stuff. Um, Diego Chara is, is universally loved and respected, uh, much like Valeri, but he's not sort of a big personality. 
Ibobasi, because of his advocacy, because of his intelligence, because of the way he engaged with folks, um, really was that. You know, I mean, I mean, folks throw around the phrase fan favorite, and it seems almost a little bit dismissive. Um, but he certainly was a player with whom a lot of Timbers fans really connected. And so seeing him leave, it just stinks. Um, and, and, and it just stinks when that happens at a time when, when the other connections between supporters uh, and the club are, are lagging a little bit. Um, and so I, I, I definitely think there's been, uh, there's been uh, uh, you know, a, a difficult period uh, in the way the club is connecting with its supporters. Well, I'm glad you provided the transition because I was almost forgetting that I wanted to talk about Jeremy Obobese, but that I used that to do this once in a while. So yeah, yeah. I know it was it was very slick. Uh, but he, you know, that I, I read your there was a story that came out that basically tried to tie Obobese to like a lot of these other structural issues that you're that you're you're talking about, and it's an interesting thing because I feel like the national media has treated the trade like it's a clear win 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 where. You know, Obobese gets what he wants. Uh, the earthquakes get what they want. And the Timbers maybe don't get immediate help, but that they treated it as if it was this imperative that they, you know, in part of their own making, but also that it ultimately helps them. Do you get that sense or does it feel like the Timbers are, I mean, I guess maybe as a Timbers fan, it's harder or from a Timbers perspective, it's harder to see some of those upsides because they're clearly not upsides tomorrow. Yeah. So I think there are a few layers to this onion. Um, I think that sort of, it's a win, win, win. Uh, the Timbers got a really good allocation haul um, for a guy who, who they probably weren't utilizing fully. Um, I, I think that's, I think that's right. I, I think that's, that's a perfectly sensible um, assessment of, uh, of sort of the immediate on field or, you know, <laughs> field adjacent uh, aspects of the trade. And so I, I, I think that, that that's perfectly sensible. Um, but I also think that's only one layer of the end. Um, I think another layer is, is what I just talked about, which is the sort of emotional connection that, that Obobese had with the fan base, um, had with the Timbers Army, uh, and, and losing that at a time at which there's not sort of a deep well of goodwill um, between, uh, b- between the club and, and many of its, its most loyal supporters. Um, so that's certainly another one. And then another one, I, I think, is when you sort of take a step back and you look at the way the Timbers built their roster over the course of the last couple of years, bringing in Yarak Nishgoda as a DP at Abobasi's primary position, bringing in Felipe Mora as a TAM player at Abobasi's primary position, um, and, and the way they committed the resources, which certainly contributed to very significantly the cap crunch that, that the Timbers have kind of talked about necessitating this move. Um, and also, you know, on, on at least a part-time basis, moved Obobese to a position at which he's just not as good, which is just on the wing. I, I don't think you can watch Jeremy Obobese on the wing and say, yeah, he's as good there as, as he is up top. That's just not true. Um, he's more productive up top. He looks much more comfortable. His game just fits up top a lot better uh, than it does on the wing. He can, you know, he can play the role. Um, he was, he was, you know, maybe their second best winger for, for a decent amount of time when, when, when Blanco was out, but I think that spoke primarily to the other options that they had um, more than it spoke really to, to what Obobese brought to that particular position. And so I think when you zoom out a little bit and you look at the way they've constructed the roster over the course of the last couple of years, the resources that they've committed to, to, to you know, throwing resources at Obobese's primary position at which he's been at least quite good, at least 
good, maybe great. <laughs> I mean, so somewhere in that ether, right. certainly a, a, a clear MLS starter uh, at, at the number nine position. Um, I, I think you begin to wonder, wonder whether those resources could have been uh, could have been used in a better way. I think you begin to wonder whether the Timbers could have maximized Ibovesi's value, uh, landed a more lucrative both for the Timbers and Ibovesi uh, transfer transfer spot for him than the San Jose Earthquakes for one point one six seven million dollars in GAM, um, and whether the Timbers could sort of just be be uh, a healthier, better rounded roster um, than than they are because of the choices that they made. So uh, I think the those second and third uh, layers of the onion are not the ones that you're hearing talked about when the when the national media says, "Oh yeah, this is a win win win, good job all around." Um, those thoughts are, are 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 sensible. They're they're you know a, a reasonable assessment. I think part of this deal, um, but that's not the only way to look at it. And 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 I think those those other perspectives are are certainly valid and worthwhile. The thing I thought was interesting was um, the most interesting thing about that was the comments that Geo made after, which seemed to be sort of like this was not a decision I wanted to make. And I suppose that might just simply be like you took away a piece of you took away talent and you didn't replace it. And maybe it's and maybe it's that simple, although I don't know that it is technically if that's even technically true, but it's it's taking away a piece. But he was he didn't seem to be using the piece in the way that it made the most sense. And so I was, it was a curious, I thought it was curious because it was like, well, if you really liked him so much, why were you not playing him at the position that he was best at? I had exactly that thought. Uh, honestly, that, that was maybe my first thought when, uh, when, when I heard that, uh, when I heard what Gio said, it was sort of like, wait, so you rated this guy all along? <laughs> like, right. what? Right. Are you kidding me? Um, why did you do everything you've done over the course of the last year, last year plus with the way you deployed this player? Um, so I certainly had that thought. I, you know, I, I, that was interesting because we have never, never, ever heard Geo sort of step out of line with the party line. Um, he is in my view to a fault, uh, sort of committed to being, being a club man and sticking, sticking to the script, um, to the point where I think he is frankly uninteresting, uh, when he talks to the media at times, um, and so for him to say that really, really perked my ears up and, and, and got me thinking that there could be uh, something to that. And there could be some level of dissent between he and Gavin, at least relating to that, Gavin Wilkinson, at least relating um, to, the, to that deal. And look, I, I, I think you can understand why that would be the case. Um, in any other sport, outside of the MLS context, if a team made that trade where they were trading a good, productive player, uh, for future assets, because all the GAM is 2022 and 2023 GAM. It's not like they got something for 2021 out of this deal. Well, we, we would say, I, I think you're muted, J.O., if you're... Uh, if you're I was going to say, they, they wouldn't even have the ability to use it anyway, even if... It right, because they did it right at, the end of the, right at the end of the window. That's right. Um, but in any event, you know, a, a, if there was a situation where a, a, a sports team set aside MLS for a second, where a sports team was selling a good player who's contributing to the team now in order to get future assets, we'd say they were selling, right? I mean, we'd say they, they were they were sort of taking a little bit of a flyer on 2021 uh, in order to to marshal assets for the future. And and look, the Timbers, Diego Char is old, Diego Valeri's old, uh, Sebastian Blanco is old, Laris Malviola is old. And so the Timbers are going to need to go through some of that transition in the next couple of years. And I think very rationally, the Timbers could look at 
uh, the situation and say, hey, look, we need to start stockpiling assets in order to make the moves that we're going to need to make in order to have this transition. But we'd say they're selling. Um, right. And I don't think that, I don't think that that sort of analytical prism fits neatly with them within MLS a lot of times. Um, I think Major League Baseball is just kind of fundamentally different from MLS in that yeah. way. Um, rebuilds in MLS are much shorter. Uh, you have much more flexibility. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a much shorter game than it is in, in baseball. And so I don't think that that translates perfectly, but I also think there's a nugget of truth to it um, in this instance. And frankly, you know, you asked me about the Timbers form uh, uh, a bit ago. I mean, doesn't this at least kind of suggest what, what the front office thinks about the Timbers form? <laughs> um, you know, I, I mean, put another way, is there any way in the world, if, if Gavin Wilkinson thinks this is a team that has a, a legitimate chance to contend for an MLS Cup, that he makes that trade? No chance, because the Timbers are worse in 2021 because they did that. Right. Jeremy Obobese is a good player. He made them a better team. Um, and so there's no way that if they, were, they had a lot of confidence in this, in this immediate team, they would have made that trade. Um, and you can see where there would be tension between a general manager and a coach in making that kind of a set of an assessment. Gio wants to go out and win every game. It's his job to want to go out and win every game and to compete in the now. Um, it's Gavin's job to certainly try to try to make the team as strong as he can for the now, but also to plan for the future. And, and I think there's a pretty easy, it's a, at very least it's a reasonable inference from Gio's com uh, comments um, that there could be some of that dynamic going on here. Yeah, that's 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 a good point. I hadn't really thought of that part of it, but it's an interesting uh, perspective for sure, and and it, it seems to have a lot of validity. But Chris, I know you got to get out of here. It's been great uh, catching up with you, and uh, thanks for doing this. Yeah, of course. Uh, hopefully, uh, you can have me back on again, and we can talk about a, a Timbers win or something like that. Well, I don't know about that. I don't. We don't need to do that. <laughs> Fair enough, buddy. Fair enough. All right. Well, uh, good talking to you. And uh, yeah, you're listening to the Sandra Hurt podcast.